Hey, happy Thursday, everybody. Welcome to the Unseminary Podcast. Here we are coming into the end of the year, just a few more weeks left. And I know many of us are thinking about finances. We're trying to think about what's next year going to look like. What about the year after that? I want you to reach out to our friends at Enjoy Stewardship Solutions. Listen, uh, they were founded in 1992 by number one leadership expert, Dr. John C. Maxwell. This organization helps churches like yours craft customized church capital campaigns to fund church facilities, launching campuses, upfitting existing facilities, buying land, paying off debt, you name it, they're there for you. Now listen, the reason why I want to think about this today is because I know many of us are thinking about kind of the pressures of this year, frankly, and we're, we're thinking about the pressures financially that we're feeling. And you know what? If your church has not taken a step out in a church capital campaign, you're frankly missing out. I really do want you to talk with these guys. They have helped more than 4,500 churches and they've raised more than 4.5 billion, that's with a B, to fund uh, their God-given vision. Imagine being fully funded. Imagine being able to step forward and fund that new part of your church. If your church is preparing to take on a major project or even just considering it, make sure you have a conversation first with the Enjoy Stewardship team. In fact, you can find out how much your church could raise through a capital campaign led by Enjoy Solutions right now by visiting enjoystewardship.com forward slash rich. That's enjoystewardship.com forward slash rich. I want you to go there, fill out the information. You'll find out how much they can help you raise maybe even next year. You'll find yourself a year from now in a totally different spot. Talked to some churches recently that used them this year and did just that. A year later, they're looking in in such a different place. So I'd love for you to reach out and talk to them. That's enjoystewardship.com forward slash rich. All right, let's go. Welcome to the Unseminary Podcast. Are you looking for practical ministry help to drive your ministry further, faster? Have a sinking feeling that your ministry training didn't prepare you for the real world? Hey, you're not alone. Join thousands of others in pursuit of stuff that we wish they had taught in seminary. Buckle up and let's get started with this week's Unseminary Podcast. Well, hey everybody, welcome to the Unseminary Podcast. So glad that you have decided to tune in today. You are going to be duly rewarded. We're super excited for today's conversation with Pastor Jonathan Brozozog. This is a from Passion Church. This is a fantastic story that we've been looking forward to kind of opening up, and I'm really hoping that you'll lean in today and learn. This church was founded in 2003. It's a multi-site church with two locations in Minnesota, and I think a third on the way. Uh, excited to for you to hear more about the story. Pastor Jonathan, welcome to the show today. Thanks so much for having me, man. I'm pumped. Now, why don't you give us a... Well, so there's a lot of reasons why I'm excited about today's uh, interview, but a part of the reason why I'm excited about it is because Minnesota is not the place that I would typically say, hey, where is one of the fastest growing churches in the country? Uh, Minnesota is not that kind of place. I serve in New Jersey, served in Canada. I am familiar with these kind of environments, but tell us a bit of the story. Kind of give us a sense of what's happened at, pa- at Passion Church, and then tell us if people were to arrive today, what would they experience? Sure. Great question. Yeah. Minnesota is uh, not for the faint of heart. It is uh, getting cold <laughs> as we speak here. And I often tell people, you know, why did you plant in Minnesota? And I say, I didn't have any friends. I, I should have kept going to San Diego, but I stopped. <laughs> them, I guess but I'm originally from the Washington, D.C. area. And, uh, nice. you know, passion's been uh, quite a journey of uh, just allowing ourselves to be coachable and teachable and allow the Holy Spirit to change us and reinvent us, you know, and follow him is uh, you know, culture has shifted and whatnot, but the church has remained the church and our missions remain uh, the same. So uh, we've just seen God do some amazing things. Uh, we started off kind of 
stoic and staged. I came out of a denomination called the uh, Church of God, went to Lee University and, um, you know, what, geez, 15 years ago, uh, you know, there was no social media, no smartphones, and mm-hmm. you know, everybody's mm-hmm. world was a lot smaller. And uh, the church we uh, had just been exposed to, that's that's what we did when we came out here to start. Mm-hmm. Four people in a hotel, no kids ministry, work, doing worship on CD. It was terrible. I wanted to leave, but I was a senior <laughs> pastor. <laughs> and I couldn't leave. And yes. we just allowed ourselves to be coachable along the way. And uh, really, it was just about, um, I would say, probably about six years ago, God really uh, just began to give us a, a new vision and a clear vision for what he had in store for us. And we allowed ourselves to be flexible and we just were able to walk into it. Hmm. Why don't we talk a little bit about that? I'd love to hear more. Like, what was it kind of, when you think about this kind of refreshing of your vision, um, what led you to that place? And then um, what are some of the kind of changes, some of the differences that you've seen kind of pre that and then and then today? Sure. You know, uh, like I said, growing up in a church, we were Pentecost, you know, we were, mm-hmm. services were three, four hours. I mean, it, it, we had great services. Don't get me wrong. When I grew up, that's what I was exposed to. That's how we started. And, you know, it's the old illustration of, you know, um, flowing in the Holy Spirit is mm-hmm. uh, swimming and, you know, winning people is fishing. And we just decided we didn't want to swim where we fish. And we had great services, but nobody would ever bring anybody. Nobody would ever mm. um, invite anyone. They say, oh, pastor, we just, you know, we need longer services, more worship, all that stuff. And and so I said, you know, we got we to gotta change. We went to God because I didn't want to uh, abandon the move of the Holy Spirit. I didn't want to, you know, mm. get to this place where we didn't include the, the gifts of the Spirit. So I just went to God and I said, God, give me a strategy. And he said, follow me. And, uh, you know, when God got ready to save man, he sent Jesus and uh, Jesus ministered to the multitudes, fed 15,000, goes to the cross, uh, resurrects, sends the Holy Spirit here, 120 on the day of Pentecost. And when you walk into churches that are Pentecost first, the average attendance is 120. And you walk into churches that teach or touch humanity first, you know, it's 5,000. And so both are right, both are God, but in the order of one and then two. We want to touch people's humanity, let them be introduced to the love of Jesus Christ, and then offer them a relationship uh, with the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit. And it's just been an amazing journey to see what God's done. And we just had explosive growth, you know, just uh, win the lost at any cost and whatever we had to do um, to get our community into a crowd, into the church, and then into the core. That was really uh, the approach that we took. So we just did what whatever it took. You know, there was no church planning strategy when we started. There was no arc. It was a guerrilla guerrilla marketing. We started businesses. <laughs> you know, we ran a uh, we ran a U-Haul franchise because we got access to trucks because we were mobile and we got to meet all the new people <laughs> moving into our city. We nice. uh, we may still. I mean, we still do this one. We may be the only church in America that runs a driving school. Uh, we run about four hundred kids a, a year through it because the one thing every teenager in the world wants to do is drive. Uh, we ran a web marketing company that opened up massive doors and connections. It was just whatever we had to do, uh, because when you focus on reaching lost people, you know, they're not they're not uh, tithing. They're not giving. They're just but they're willing to volunteer. And uh, mm-hmm. that was really, I think, what initiated such a huge volunteer culture is we had so mm-hmm. many people coming in who didn't know about you know, biblical generosity, but they knew that mm-hmm. they wanted to love others and, and just give through their actions and their time and their talents. And that's, that's really was the beginning of our volunteer culture. Hmm. Cool. I, I want to get to that in a second, but just before we jump in there, um, I, I see this time and again. So I, most of my ministry career has been 
um, you know, really in attractional churches. So churches that are, um, and I know like lots of people don't like that title, but that just trying to kind of compress it down. And one of the things I found interesting is, which I think is a really positive thing, is I think over the last 10 years, call it, there's been a movement within kind of my background to say, hey, you know, if, if this is just all about great bottom lines or like great sticky statements or a great marketing thing, then it, it's, it just seems hollow. Like we're, and, and so there's, I would say a, a really good positive openness to the things of the spirit. And so there's a number of churches in kind of my background who have said, Hey, we need to be more open to actually God changing people. Novel idea for a good friend of mine, Carrie Newhoff says, right. you know, we, one of the worst problems we could ever have at our churches is when people arrive, all they find is us. Um, you know, and, and, but the thing I find interesting about your story is it's, it's, you're coming out a similar issue, but really from the other side of that coin, what were some of those changes that you had to say? Like, because obviously you were open to the things of the spirit, open to saying, hey, Lord, whatever it is you want to do in people's lives, we're just here, you know, to serve. But then you you made a few changes, it sounds like, to say, hey, we, we want to also, um, as you said it, um, kind of be people first, try to start with where are people coming from? What were some of those shifts that you made in your own changes to kind of, you know, be a little bit more oriented that way? Yeah, from just touching people's humanity from, you know, we really fired up our outreach engine, you know, mm-hmm. just basically when everything is said and done, let's make sure there's more, you know, done than said. Um, you know, mm-hmm. diversity was a big thing that we took on. We just felt like that's what heaven looks like. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, if you get you know, to heaven, you're like, where are my people? You know, you may not be in heaven, you know, so it's like mm-hmm. you know, if it, God's the color of light, which reflects all colors. And so that was a big mm-hmm. part, uh, our community outreach, along with Um, You know, just the things we did from finding out where is our community driving, you know, naturally, and Mm. what can we do to Mm -hmm. hook our wagon to that from, uh, you know, Minnesota is the second largest state fair in the nation. So we bought freestatefairticket.com and we give away, I don't know, tens of thousands of tickets every year uh, to all our first time visitors. And, uh, you know, we say, hey, we want to give you some family time to productions from Blue Man Group to Thriller to whatever we did to, you know, bring people in the largest egg hunt in the state of Minnesota, you know. Um, yeah. And we we didn't drive people to our church. We drove people to, you know, what we were doing, whether it was besteghunt.com or Blue Man Group, whatever it was. And, um, mm-hmm. and, you know, then they would come for whatever, you know, that may be. I called it bait because we're fishers of mm-hmm. men. And typically real religious people hate that, but bait tastes bad to cook them when they love it. And so uh, I'd go to our religious oh, people good. and say, oh, hey, we're feel that. That's good. I love that. Right. I'd go to our religious people and say, hey, we're thinking of doing Thriller. What do you think? And they're like, oh, it's terrible. I'm like, great, we should do that, you know, because oh, we're trying good. to reach our community. And then they'd come in and, you know, get them plugged in and connected through all those, you know, great ways everybody knows, small groups and community. and But then, you know, Give them the opportunity to experience a deeper relationship with the Holy Spirit. I I, I think mm-hmm. people need uh, to you know do the practical. You know, if you need to take mm-hmm. medication, take it as long as you need to take it. I believe in science and doctors and all that kind of stuff and counseling. But but I don't want to be a church that when somebody faces a crisis, all we can do is send them the counseling. I I believe in that, but let's first believe that God can do a miracle or deliver them or heal them and or set them free. And that that's really you know what we wanted to open up was the you know just really who the Holy Spirit is is and people you know I can understand when people think the Holy Spirit's weird, but the Holy Spirit's not weird. People can be weird. Mm. People can be crazy. Yes, you know, but but the Holy Spirit, in my opinion, is beautiful. And I think Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of the experiences that you've been through. Uh, when God heals you, he leaves the medicine inside of you to heal someone else. And I think mm. that that's really, you know, our journeys and our ups and downs make us a key to unlock somebody else's destiny. So we wanted to let people know that, you know, what you've been through really empowers you. 
uh, into your destiny. And, and it's really grace, you know, mercy forgives, but grace really empowers. And that was a big pivot in our church too. I would say about six years in, we really uh, got a better revelation from God on grace and forgiveness. Mm. And that mm-hmm. happened, um, uh, interesting, through our web company. Our web company, uh, I was watching Larry King one night, and uh, and it was old, you know, it was years ago. I was watching Larry King, yeah. and he had on there Ted Haggard. Okay, and, yeah, right. And Ted Haggard was starting, you know, this church again called St. James Church, and I felt the Lord speak mm-hmm. to me and said, do a website for his church. So I'm looking thinking like, you know, he doesn't have a website. How am I going to find it? And I found this email, some random email, like St. James info, something. I just sent it. Mm-hmm. And I sent my cell phone. I said, I know you don't know who I am. This is no strings attached. You know, I, I run this web company. I felt like the Lord wanted me to do a website for you. He, anyway, he calls me the next day. And, oh, wow. Uh, we began, you know, having dialogue and uh, ultimately ended up in us doing, I don't know, 20 or 30 roundtables around the nation from Max Licato's church to all over talking about grace and healing and restoration and um, really how the church should approach that. And, you know, the world has so many different um, examples of of grace or healing or restoration from Robert Downey Jr., Tiger Woods, Martha Stewart, David Letterman. You know, the list goes on and on, and the church has no one. And so we began mm-hmm. to talk about it, you know, and think, how can we as a church approach grace? And and that became a big part of our DNA, too, as a church. Mm, very cool. Very cool. Well, one of the things you mentioned earlier was just this whole idea of kind of the volunteer culture and having a strong volunteer culture, encouraging people to really get plugged in through volunteering. Um, kind of what's worked well on that front? How have you seen that? How have you been able to kind of cultivate that? What does that look like for your church today? Sure. We found out when people come into our church that get saved, they're, they'll volunteer the same day. They're like, what can I do? You know, we, we realize sure. that it takes on average, you know, someone to, before they can practice you know, biblical generosity on average is, is 12 to, I'm sorry, 24 to 36 months to get someone who just got saved, you know, where they're practicing that. But, you know, someone who comes into our church that's already saved, uh, they'll typically start giving, but it takes them, you know, 12 to 18 months to volunteer. And so we had so many people coming into our church that were like saying, I'll, I'll do whatever. Like, I'm, they're so excited. And so that just really sparked a big part of our culture. And then, you know, Ephesians 4 lays out, you know, leaders' job descriptions, which is, you know, pastors, prophets, teachers, evangelists, and apostles are there to prepare God's people for the work of the ministry. And so we really began to, you know, empower people. And if people could do it half as good as, you know, um, you know, our leader, hey, empower them to do it. And people, yes, made mistakes. People, yes, were still trying to figure out life and you know, had sin in their life mm-hmm. and issues and challenges and all that kind of stuff. But if, if we're only going to let people volunteer who don't have sin, well, nobody's going to get to volunteer on Sunday. So we've got right. to empower people as they are and, you know, really have that culture of just, you know, allowing people to belong you know, as they are and, and, you know, and see God move, you know, in and through their life. And, and I think, you know, that's kept our, our, um, uh, you know, our overhead is really small. Uh, we've kept our, our staff really lean. We have, um, uh, interns that come in throughout the week. We have apprentices that come in throughout the week and volunteer. And, and so many of our best leaders, we couldn't even afford to hire because they're running multi-million dollar companies and, uh, but leaning from them and, and, and leaning on them and, and just their heart to see God, show up and show off. And I think it's really easy to get people to do that when they see people get saved, when they see people coming mm-hmm. to Christ, you know, weekly. I think when you know people are doing mm-hmm. things and working really hard and they never see the fruit of it, um, it's really difficult 
uh, I think, to see mm-hmm. people get that down in their heart. But when they see people get saved, you know, every week, I think it's so much easier to uh, to empower them and let their gifts and talents really, um, you know, just bear the fruit that God's placed in them. Absolutely. So there may be people that are listening in uh, who come from a tradition that would say, hey, Lo, like we we kind of gate our volunteer roles. We only allow people who have insert X, they've done, you know, they've done something, they've become a member there, you know, they've been at the church for four years, you know, whatever. Speak to that leader, help them understand how you're able to create a place at a table for people who, you know, may not they're they're maybe early in their relationship with Jesus, or maybe they don't even have a relationship with Jesus. How is it that you're providing those experiences? And then while at the same time, trying to, you know, provide some amount of, um, you know, control or or those sorts of things that that lead churches to come to the point where they want to kind of restrict who can volunteer. Yeah, church culture, you know, happens by design, not to fall. And going multi-site, that was one of the things that we were concerned about is as we expand to more campuses, you know, how do we keep our culture strong? Because we don't want anybody to feel like, you know, I don't want to invite you to that campus, you know, go to this one, this one's embarrassing or that service. And so with all these people coming in from all different walks of life and vicissitudes and challenges and cultures and ages, and, you know, how do we keep our culture strong? And, you know, people go through, we looked at several, you know, models, growth track and all those came up with our own hybrid and we've got it down right now. It's about two weeks. People walk through, we walk them through personality profile tests, uh, we also walk them through our um, spiritual gift test. We work through CCB. Mm-hmm. And within two weeks, somebody can be volunteering and serving. Uh, one of the things that you know we do is leadership the first Saturday of the month for all our leaders. But we realized that that wasn't even enough. So I developed this thing called Passion Culture Courses. And it's an online platform mm-hmm. that is for our leaders, our directors, and our volunteers. And it's got about 250 videos on it right now from two to five minutes long. And it's going to grow the library to a thousand. And it's literally everything about our culture, why we do what we do, how we respond to that. So somebody serving on a team texts you as a leader and go, I don't want to volunteer anymore. How we respond to that? How do we walk through the challenges and seasons and ages and stages of people getting married and people having kids and you know, the in and out and people feeling connected and not. And, and that has been something that I think is really important in keeping our culture. And and so when people watch a class, you know, it unlocks the next class and you can't get that one until you've seen it. And so, because uh, I always refer to culture as an accent, you know, you can't get an accent from just reading a book and you don't pick it up by visiting somebody twice. Mm-hmm. And it takes time. And, mm-hmm. you know, in Genesis, it says they were building a tower to heaven and God said, you know, they were all of the same language and the same speech. And let's confound them because if we don't confound them, there's nothing that can be withheld from them. So the same language and same mm. speech. So everybody in our church speaks English, but they don't all speak it with the same accent because they're not all the same culture. And we realize that there's a lot of people in our church that were speaking. I love Jesus, but I don't volunteer. I love Jesus, but I don't serve. Or I love Jesus, but I don't do that. And we realized we really had to get our culture into our church so that we could build what God had called us to build. And it wasn't quick. It wasn't a, you know, hey, just do these three simple things and it'll work. I mean, it takes <laughs> right, like exactly. four years to get that culture, you know, strong like it was. But And we still have mistakes. I mean, we still you know, we still have challenges and with volunteers and all that kind of stuff. And sometimes things aren't right. And like our whole worship team is volunteer. And sometimes I'm like, yeah, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe there's certain things we'd have done different or, you know, maybe, you know, we could hire that. But I, I personally love having, you know, 
our leaders and our team are like there because they love God. You know, this isn't a gig and I'm not hating on anybody who does that. I think that's all awesome. And right. I think there's no, a no. place and season and yep. stages, but for us, I think it's awesome when, you know, so many of our leaders are there because their hearts invested. And again, I think it comes back to seeing the fruit, you know, judging a tree on its fruit. And when you can create that opportunity, when people are willing to invite people, I often tell people, if people don't bring, if people in your church don't invite people to your church, they think your church is weird. And they love it. They think it's awesome. They think God shows up, but they're not, they can't explain what happened on Monday morning in the cubicle. So uh, we, we want to have people, you know, have that opportunity to, you know, get saved and then experience God. And it's like in anything, you know, if, if you go to a dealership, you know, they, they change the oil at a car dealership. They just don't do it in the showroom. You know, they change tires. They still don't mm. the show them. They realize that there's times and places to do certain things. You, you wouldn't, change a transmission on a car at the Mercedes dealership on the showroom. And if you walked in there and a guy was doing it, you'd go, what is going on here? Like, why are you doing that here? Because you yeah, what's like happening? Yeah, place exactly. for it. And so that's one of the things that we've realized with, you know, the Holy Spirit. And, you know, when we have people in there who want it and are hungry for it and want to flow in it, we just found out that God shows up so much more. And we, we flow a lot more in the gift of prophecy in our kids ministry. And we start it in our kids, our kids, you know, if your kids are in nursery, they're going to start hearing prophetic words spoken over them. We write it down and that follows those kids all the way to high school. And when they graduate, now they've got a folder of 18 years of prophetic words spoken over their life because they're maybe in a season where they're questioning their identity. So bringing the Holy Spirit in where it's not in a weird way, but a beautiful way has been really special. Hmm, that's amazing. Um, you know, there's on the whole culture piece, keeping culture front and center and keeping it um, kind of you know, kind of consistent, what are you doing to keep on top of the kind of culture development piece? I think sometimes what happens is, you know, leaders read like, oh yes, we need to do a better job on culture. And so then they, they like print up some flyers and they hand them out. And then there, it just seems to leak over time. Um, I love the online training you're doing. Is there other things that you're doing to try kind of help keep the kind of the, the maturation, the folding in of your culture time and again? Yeah. One thing that I do, and I've had a lot of people tell me, oh, you should just quit doing that. It's too difficult, other pastors and whatnot. But uh, really for years, we have, we meet with our staff and our core volunteer leaders uh, every Sunday night. And I do this thing called my, my family huddle. And it's, it's one hour. Hmm. And for the first 30 minutes, we share positives about each other and the campuses. And, um, and then we bring in, you know, several new leaders um, every week. And we just pray over them and prophesy over them. And within the positives in that and talking about what God's doing and the culture of where we want to be and, you know, what went right and what we could do better, what are the wins and the learns, and then, you know, just flowing in those, the gifts of the Spirit for new people and, and really having them have their entire church staff and leaders pray over them. I think that's been a big part of keeping the heart right in our culture as it goes back out, because that's the same method we ask them to do when they meet with their teams. So when our worship leaders meet with their teams, sharing the positives, what are the wins and learns? And then, you know, how can we pray? And, you know, prayer's that first line of defense, you know, and not our last resort. And so that's something that I think has been really special for us, keeping that community strong, uh, along with, you know, our small that. groups along with trying to, you know, bring people and, and, and it is challenging. I think the bigger you get, the harder it is uh, to do that, but mm -hmm. getting that DNA uh, down. And one big mistake that I made 
is is I wasn't prepared for the level of growth that we were going to have. You know, you pr- you prayed for growth mm. and you're excited about it, <laughs> but I didn't develop a track early enough. And right. uh, you know, I was I was really looking at like you know my my young adults as a pool, mm. and I really needed to start planting that seed in their heart of ministry in junior high, junior high and senior mm. high, and then oh, and, and we had to go back. And really revamp our track because I'm not a I'm not a great fan of hiring from the outside. I mean, we've done it, but I just believe in you know bringing up from within if it's all, if at all possible. And so we we love mm-hmm. that. And so I had to really go back, and we had to run you know really lean for some years because we didn't have that track. And so that's one thing I always try and tell guys is you know if you're expecting that great growth, make sure you've got a pipeline of leaders coming up, um, and they need to go yeah, back a little good. earlier than you actually actually thought. I love there's so much you just said there it was like, wow, there's a ton in there. So much to unpack. I hope you're listening in people uh, on the family huddle. I think that's amazing. Uh, give us a sense. How, how, what's your attendance at the church? I just tried to underline. A sure. And every attendance on uh, Sunday would be your... anywhere from 15 to 1700. Okay. So, you know, this is a, a significant church. Um, and the fact that you're investing Every week or most weeks, an hour to, to to pour back into your leaders, to encourage them, to keep them focused. That's an amazing thing. I think sometimes as church leaders, we're looking for a shortcut. You know, we're looking for the like, can I just email them something? You know, but I love that you're saying, no, no, like I've got to take my time. That's worth my time as a senior leader of this organization to set time aside every week. And I think I could see having led in multiple churches that have grown from a thousand to over three, four, five thousand people, as you grow through those phases, uh, Access to you particularly is an important issue. People do want to get a sense that they can connect with, particularly your core leaders. They want to get a sense that they can connect with you, get a chance to, to, you know, ask a question, whatever. And the fact that you've, you've created a structure for that, I think is really beautiful. I think that's uh, that's an amazing thing. Yeah. Thanks, man. You know, we, we really do try to, you know, pastor the kind of church we would want to go to and, um, you know, everybody feels needed, but everybody doesn't always feel known. You know, the Bible says, know those that labor among you. And, you know, when you, when you've got people under you, I think you've got to you've got to be close enough where you can see the expression on their face. You know, why is your countenance fallen? You know, mm. God could see on you know Cain's face, like why is your countenance fallen? And I think in order to do that, you got to have relationship. And so, uh, is is we have six children. You know, life's full. We homeschool. I mean, life's life's really full. And but I think that's that has been a little bit of our secret sauce. I guess is just you know time with God and time together. Well, and what has, I'm assuming that that idea of like, hey, I'm, I'm willing to, you know, do whatever it takes to kind of um, make the commitment that's needed to uh, push the mission forward. I'm assuming that has trickled down into your culture. Um, how have you been able to see that, you know, kind of this idea of I'm willing to, to, to do whatever it takes to kind of push the mission forward? How are you encouraging that in your people? Obviously, you're modeling it. Are there other things that you're doing to, to kind of help your people understand, hey, this is going to take a lot. I think this is the part of church growth that people don't talk about. People often, everyone wants to be a part of a larger church, but actually very few church leaders, my experience has been very few church leaders are willing to lean in and actually do the work to actually, um, you know, make the sacrifice to invest the time to think about it, to do the effort, frankly, to make it happen. So what have you done on that side to kind of help the mission forward? Yeah, I think it is, you know, getting around that thousand mark or whatnot, or 800, it, it, it is a Okay, we start to get we're starting to get some staff and some people, and you know maybe I can check out of some things. And and I do. There are many things that I I don't do any longer. That we have people who just do those yeah. things better. Um, but 
you know, that mindset of, of whatever it takes and just not taking, um, you know, no for an option, um, I think it was really birthed out of, you know, our DNA from how we started. You know, it was, we had no one to help us. We had no budget. Um, we had no money, no coaching. Uh, all we had was, you know, a, a vision of people of what God showed me. You know, with all the properties our church owns, you know, if you walked into our office now, you wouldn't see any picture of a building. What you would see is just hundreds and hundreds of pictures of people because passion's about mm. people. And I think when you can keep that in front of them and what we've done collectively, I think that is the biggest issue. It's um, Here's a, a true story of some people who went into New York and they just set up this little booth and they just said, you know, hey, who wants to make five bucks? And people come by and said, I want to. And they say, put this together and they give them five bucks and they put it on a shelf so they could see it behind them. And then they put out a sign that said, make 10 bucks. And, and they say, put this together and people put it together. They give them 10 bucks and take it apart in front of them. And then they say, you want to make another 10 bucks? They'd say, yeah, we'll put it back together. They put it together, take it apart and, and uh, you know, give them 10 bucks. And nobody after the second one wanted to do it anymore. Even though they were being paid double, the fact they have no sense of accomplishment discouraged them from wanting to do right. it. And I think as a leader, right. when you can show people what we collectively did and you know, showing the pictures mm. of that altar moment, showing the pictures of this person getting saved, sending that out, being intentional with it. And, you know, from, you know, whether it be a, a creative mindset, I mean, and I've just had that mentality. I remember I had guys, I told them I want these trees on stage and I want them white for Christmas. And they were like, oh, we can't get it done. And I went out in my yard with an ax and cut down trees myself and sprayed them them white. <laughs> and I'm like, and I took the picture and I yes. was like, it can be done if you care, you know? And, you know, that's Correct. kind of the mindset. And I think being willing to challenge it. You know, just as a leader, mm-hmm. I think sometimes we can get too passive, but challenging it and challenging out of love and saying, man, this is the cause of Christ. And people have died for this cause. Mm-hmm. People have given their life for this cause. And uh, I remember asking one guy once, I was like, hey, can you blow up this balloon? And he's like, oh, I'm just really tired, you know. And I'm like, dude, we're going to blow up balloons. He's like, I know. And I'm like, I've been looking for an example of laziness for a sermon I'm writing. I just got it. I'm really thankful for that, <laughs> you know, because it's like, man, mm-hmm. this is for the cause of Christ. And and so we push that heavily. And, you know, we make no apologies asking people to lay down their life for the cause of Christ. And when people see the, mm-hmm. the you know, people getting saved from it. And sometimes I'll bring people up front. Not that I think that makes them saved more, but I'll bring them up front and then I'll bring our staff on stage. And I'll bring all our volunteers on stage. And I will say, look at the people at this altar. And I would say, this is why you got here at six o'clock and minus 20 degree weather to set up. This is why you did that mobile campus. This is why you did all that you did so that people can get saved and come to know Jesus. And I think sometimes as pastors, we can forget that we see that response. But do, does everybody get a chance to see that fruit? And I think that's a, that's mm-hmm. a big part of it. So whether it was businesses um, whether it was, you know, meeting in Starbucks because we didn't have an office, whether it was, you know, saying, hey, we've got to get volunteers to do that because we don't we don't have a way around it. And I think sometimes not having the resources forces you to be creative. It forces you to think outside mm-hmm. the box, forces you to, you know, uh, come up with different ideas and different possibilities. If you anyone who works for our, our team, every time we do a project, I don't give them a budget because I never want them to think think within a budget because I want you to budget your money, but don't budget your thinking. Because if you budget your thinking, you won't be able to think outside your budget. I want you to, I want you to say, mm-hmm. Hey, we got this thing for $50,000 and I'm great. Do it. And I want, I'm going to give you five, get the other 45 for free. Right. So I just want them to dream big so they don't get in God's way. Mm. 
Amazing. That's fantastic. I love that. Well, this has been a fantastic interview. Anything else you want to share before we uh, we wrap up today? I just want to encourage you know anyone listening to you know look at some of the challenges that you're facing because many times they're fuel you know for you know your destiny and uh, no matter what you're going through whether it's uh you know we had some simple we had kids meeting out of high school that are hungry and we started a cause called School Lunch Matters and um, just helping kids um, you know pay off their school lunch debt, you know, meeting in the high school, many of the, of the things God's called you to do, they're closer than you think. And so I just, just want to encourage you to sometimes slow down a little bit, look around you, you the answer might be right in front. Of you. Very good. Well, if people want to track with you, Pastor Jonathan, or with the church, how can they do that? Where should we send them online uh, to track with your Sure, story? They can just follow us on the website, passionchurch.com. And, uh, you know, they can, you know, follow me on social media, uh, you know, Facebook or Instagram, whatever, but uh, everything's on our app. Uh, on the App Store, Passion Church, and um, and same with our, our website, passionchurch.com. Nice. Appreciate you being on the show today. Thank, Thank you, sir. man. God bless. Thank you for tuning in to this week's Unseminary podcast. Don't be shy. We'd love to connect. Check out Unseminary Inbox. You can sign up at unseminary.com and we'll send you helpful training resources every week. Plus, you'll gain immediate access to our exclusive members area with tons of resources you can use. Connect with Rich on Twitter at Rich Birch or through email rich at unseminary.com Don't forget to check out the show notes for this episode at unseminary.com It includes links to what we talked about today and more. Leave a comment. We'd love to hear from you. Did you enjoy today's episode? Drop by iTunes and leave a review. Thanks again for tuning in to this week's Unseminary podcast. Join us next week when we'll learn more stuff we wish they taught in seminary.